Welcome to the Ontario Outdoor Pursuit Podcast. This Ontario-generated podcast is here to talk outdoor living, fishing, and hunting. Give all kinds of geeky tech talks and hunting tips with things that have worked for us. We all have a story to tell, and here's ours. Welcome back, everyone. Cam here with another episode coming to you guys back from Alberta. And this week, I've got a special guest JC on the line and JC was just out in the woods and had quite the experience to say the least herself. Uh, JC, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell me a bit about yourself. Um, I live in Alberta full time. I'm a wildlife biologist as my job. Um, but I also thoroughly and love the outdoors of all kind. I, uh, am a bow hunter, um, if I can't get anything in both season, I'll take the rifle out for rifle season. And, uh, yeah, I guess that describes me. So, um, being a wildlife biologist, uh, like, did, is that something you wanted to do from a young age? Um, I always loved the outdoors and I have no idea why I didn't think of being a biologist. I don't know. As a typical kid, I will like, I wanted to be a cowgirl, a firefighter. When I got more like older, I actually went to school to be a dentist and then I took an ecology class and the rest is history. And I immediately switched my major. That's uh, th- that's quite a, a change when I was out yeah. there. I think it is like uh, basically to live out there. You're like a rancher, a cowboy, or you basically work in the oil fields. And I'm like, I, I already know for a fact that the whole cowboy and ranching is not for me. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm not a huge fan of horses, so I wouldn't I wouldn't cut it as a cowgirl for sure. <laughs> so how did uh, when did you start hunting actually? Um, so I had been out like with friends and family hunting with them, but I had never actually started hunting myself um, until a year ago. I uh, my boyfriend bought me a bow because he loved bows and thought it was something we could do together. And as soon as I shot it, I was in love. And yeah, he can't get it out of my hands. Yeah, that's pretty easy to do with archery. I would say that yeah. I think that's a, a common grounds for how people get involved in the archery world for sure. Well, and like I, you know, I didn't mind rifle hunting. I never had anything against it, but I wasn't like super in love with it until we went out bow hunting. And you just have to get so much closer and so much more like in depth with nature. And yeah, it just took it to a whole nother level. So, uh, you know, I kind of had seen this, not really article, but like some posts of maybe, uh, local people that, you know, around there, some of the guides, um, kind of sharing on their stories, what had happened. So you're a wildlife biologist. Um, give me the rundown of how, what happened for starters and kind of how it all took place. Like, give me your side of it. Okay, well, we have a long-standing contract to do mountain goat surveys for a particularly sensitive population. Um, They don't live on mountaintops. They actually live in a river canyon and live on the cliffs of the river. And so I survey them every summer for every two, like every two weeks we do a survey. And uh, we have set lookout stations that look over top of the cliffs. And so I was walking to one of my survey stations. It was actually like, I don't know, I was two-thirds through my survey, and it was a super-duper windy day. 
But I was walking up this draw to the top of the hill to where I could see a cliff, and I just crested the top of the hill, and standing right there was a grizzly bear and a freshly killed mountain goat. Um, and I didn't, I, like, honestly, at the time, I didn't even know it was a bear. It was just, like, immediately something ran at me, and I just, like, instinctively threw my leg up. And it made contact with my leg and threw me to the ground. And then it was, like, immediately on top of me. And that's when I really noticed that, like, holy crap, this is a bear. And it's, like, its face is at my face. Like, I can smell its breath. Oh, my gosh. They're really, like, it's hard because my friends are like, oh, my gosh, that was so brave. There really was zero thought to it. It was, like, luckily my instincts aren't flight. They happen to be fight. And I reached around. Um, I keep a knife on my vinyl harness while I'm hiking. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to reach my bear spray. He's already on me. So I just grabbed my knife and shoved it as hard as I could to the closest area of him, which was his neck. And uh, he freaked out and took a few steps back. And then I was able to grab my bear spray and spray him. And he ran away. And I immediately, like, ran away, adrenaline pumping through my body and then assessed the damage after that but yeah it was pretty wild yeah you don't say i don't know if that's (laughs) those are the right words for it that is uh that's crazy that is definitely something that doesn't really happen to a lot of people and you know unfortunately for some it doesn't go that way um so you know I'm, i'm glad you're okay and you know you're able to talk about it so like, like you said, there is, I don't really think there is anything you could ever do to prepare for something like that. But do you no. think that you handled it quite well? Like you said, it was kind of instinct. Um, yeah. Has something I like that ever crossed job. your mind? Oh, pardon? Has something like, you know, if you're to get in that situation, has that ever crossed your mind before? Like, is, is that how you'd kind of relate that to, to being instinct? Oh yeah, 100%. My job does a really good job of training me of like having wildlife encounters. Um, And so I like I just recently watched a video of like how to handle predatory bear attacks, which is quite literally, you know, if a bear has you as prey in his sight, like do everything and anything you can like shove your thumbs in its eye sockets, like literally, its aim is to kill you. So I was lucky that it was a defensive attack. Because, you know, if you're going to have a bear attack, those are the ones to have. Um, but, yeah, I've I've had a lot of thoughts run through my head of, you know, I am out there all the time. And we watch lots of videos on bear attacks. We watch lots of videos on all sorts of wildlife attacks. So it's crossed my mind before. But there definitely wasn't a thought process that was going on in my mind at that moment. But I was, yeah, I think it's been drilled into me enough. My work does a good job of doing that, but that just happened to be the instincts that I had. Um, Could you kind of go through like what work, what does work do exactly for you guys um, with kind of trying to prepare you for that, like watching videos and um, like, is there something that they reiterate to you? over and over to kind of get through something like that? Um, we, well, we have like the standard practices where like everyone takes their wildlife awareness courses and everyone takes their bear aware courses and stuff like that. Um, but we're also very aware that our job is to be quiet. So when we're taking those courses and they say, 
Like, make sure you make a lot of noise. Make sure you're not walking through the forest dead silent. Like, that is literally our job is to walk through the forest dead silent to try and see all the animals. So when things like that come up in our courses, it definitely gets like brought up that, hey, you guys are at a definite higher risk than most hikers and most other people that are walking through the forest. Like hunters can very much relate. They aren't walking through the forest trying to make a ton of noise. So they just, I, they just really make us think about that and be aware that our chances of having an encounter like that are higher than the average hiker just enjoying recreational out there um but no they don't really like put me through any specific drills it just i yeah i couldn't i wish i could tell you the formula but i can't that's all right um do you happen to know whether it was a male or female bear i don't no and once you kind of like once he she backed off um did you guys kind of you know go your separate ways like were you kind of hightailing it out of there after that like after you had assessed the damage or yeah okay so there was there was a moment after I got him with my knife where he took a few steps back and it was just a look of like ouch that hurt and it was like then I grabbed my bear spray as quick as I could and he booked it out of there as I doused it like I swear I was even spraying my bear spray long after he was gone I held that down for a very long time and then it was just like adrenaline after that I immediately ran back down the hill to where I came because I knew it was safe in that direction he had ran in the opposite direction and I got to the bottom and I looked down at my pants and I was just like oh my gosh like my leg's gone I'm sure like it's not reasonable right now I know I was running on it but that, at that moment, I was like, that was definitely a bear. There's no way that my leg isn't, like, shredded. I'm just running on adrenaline. Maybe I'm just, like, making it up that my leg is there. But I sat down and got my first aid kit out and started wiping all the blood away. And I was like, oh, this actually really isn't that bad. I texted my coworker who was on the other side of the canyon. And uh, we have satellite messenger. So I messaged him and I said, you know, Cliff 2B. Joe, I need help. Um, Bear attack, dead goat. And he immediately saw that text and came running in my direction. Um, But I wrapped a tourniquet around my thigh and then started wiping it all up. And I was like, for a bear attack, this is really probably as lucky as I can get. I was, you know, overall, it was pretty superficial wounds. It was a super cold morning that morning. So... I'm a baby when it comes to cold. I was wearing four <laughs> pairs of pants at the time. So oh, it was wow. really, yeah, there was just a whole lot of little decisions where it's like, if I hadn't have been, if I would have decided to suck it up and just been like, oh, it's not that cold. I'll just wear my regular stuff or yeah, I, uh, I actually bandaged myself up and was like, I can walk out of here. But I was like, no, like if I, if this happened to my coworker and I went to find him and he moved, I'd be super mad. So I just hunkered down and then he came and got me and we had to hike out of there. It was pretty slow, but all in all, it was, yeah, it was good. (laughs) That's, um, you know, just before we had hit record here, we were just kind of talking on, uh, what the numbers are and obviously you know better and we don't really have to dive too much into that um, when I was out there myself chatting with a few guys they had known of six attacks um, of this year alone and uh, one was being the 
one female that was actually dragged from her tent earlier this year, one of the hikers. Um, but like that, that seems to be a lot of attacks for one year. Um, I was telling you, I seen for myself, like you see, you see a lot of bears, I'm guessing in your industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see a ton more than we used to see. And I really think that that's, you know, as a biologist, I'm pretty proud of that number. Like the fact that our population is getting healthier, you know, you are going to have human animal conflicts and really the bear did nothing wrong. Like I walked up on its kill. The bear does what a bear does. Um, But I think it's really a success story. And I think if the, you know, numbers are healthy enough that, we're going to run into conflicts and, but there are definitely incredibly well-educated people that are on top of that. And when they feel that it's safe to have a grizzly bear season, I think they will. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put that actually. Um, you know, we're still people and we're still kind of playing in their world, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now called our wild calling and it's all about human to animal contact and how we can relate and what we can pick up from them. And, you know, when we do come into contact, so it's pretty interesting. And I think, yeah, we, we probably will see a lot more of it. It's just, I guess really the most important thing is how to properly handle it. And well, clearly you did not so bad yourself. So Um, Yeah, actually, I really like that takeaway. It's not that, you know, the numbers are definitely increasing. So I think people just need to be more aware that they're out there and they need to, you know, carry bear spray and carry defensive measures and be prepared that, yeah, there's a likelihood that they might run into one and it might not go as smoothly as they would like it to. Well, if you don't have a sponsor for bear spray yet, I'm going to tag every bear spray sponsor (laughs) I can find in this posting. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I go through a bit of bear spray. It seems to get caught on sticks and branches. That was actually the first time it got used efficiently. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad it worked for you. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. So, what could you give to? Uh. Obviously, you can't talk too much on your training, but for you know people in Ontario, especially, and people that are out west and you know, they're going to be making their own treks into the woods, um, in pursuit of an animal. What advice can you give to help something like that happen or not happen rather? Um, well, you know, first off, they always say like, if you're recreational, just walking around, like make sure you're making noise, but if you don't have that luxury and you are hunting or you're doing wildlife surveys, it would definitely be helpful to learn some of your tracks and learn some of your signs and be aware if you do come across grizzly tracks like in your way that you need to be extra careful and extra precautious and uh yeah they are very much in the area if you see that um i would be careful cresting hills i'm definitely gonna be very careful every time i do a survey after this and i was finding myself getting a little bit complacent because I had been out there so many times you know it felt like my wilderness I've been out there every two weeks for a long time I literally have a trail that's beaten down from the exact path I take every two weeks and I was just trucking along doing what I do every every time I go out there and I think we just need to remember that you still are in the wild and it's not your territory and it's not where you live and just to be very mindful of what's around you and what sign you can pick up to help you, you know, determine that there is danger close by. 
you'd mentioned that obviously this wasn't a really a bear attack for him or her hunting you. This was what you said, you know, you stumbled across its kill and it was just protecting its food. Is it, is it likely that the same bear could do the same thing? Um, knowing what it went through, like just kind of with your background, do you know anything to that? Um, I know fish and wildlife takes predatory attacks very seriously. And a bear that hunts humans, um, then has a pattern of repeating that behavior and that immediately becomes a problem bear for the area. Um, but for me, after I talked to Fish and Wildlife, like they had discerned that it was a defensive attack and that they're not likely then to go specifically after humans. Like he had a pretty negative encounter with me. I don't think he has a very good outlook on no. hanging out with humans. So <laughs> They didn't, yeah, they didn't decide that this bear was a high-risk bear and that it should be a serious serious inquiry to try and find it. Um, they did close down the area, though, to just give him space to eat and get out of the way and get a little less stressed as time went on. Do you have, a like, a, a downtime right now that you're, you know, you're just kind of laying low until you get back into the woods, or are you getting right yeah. back out there? Well, I so my actual area of expertise is wetlands. That's what I'm really good at. Um, so I have a couple wetland assessments that I have to do in the near future. But my job also, as much fun as it is getting out into the woods, all that time does come with a lot of reporting. So I have a bunch of paperwork and stuff I can catch up on until I head back out. And uh, I did get to see, you know, some of the the wounds that you had. Like, for the most part, are you okay? Yeah, for the most part, it was actually pretty minor. The cuts themselves are honestly nothing. The bruises are really actually pretty spectacular. They, like, follow almost exact claw marks over my legs, which is, like, it's pretty, I don't know, gruesome to think of, but it's kind of cool when you look at it. Yeah, it's a bruising pattern that I don't think I will ever forget. But all in all, I came out pretty unscathed. Yeah, and I'm only uh, kind of you know cheerful and smiling when I when I'm chatting with you is just because like you it, you're talking about it like so nonchalantly, um, you know it's just a, a regular thing. You overcame it and you're ready to get back to work. So that's just crazy to me. But um, good for you. Yeah. That took a little bit of time. I'm not yeah, going to lie. Yeah. That took a little bit of processing of just being like, okay, like what, what actually happened? What is the likelihood of this happening again? Mm-hmm. I like, I don't love watching any wildlife shows with bears currently, but I bet. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I know that he was just being a bear and I work in an industry where that might happen so would this change anything for um your hunting game either do you think i'm pretty good well i'm not the best but i'm getting very good at tracking so it would definitely make me pretty uneasy to stumble upon fresh grizzly tracks in the future um but where we hunt we we hunt on a place that's not heavily populated by grizzlies and then we also hunt on another place um our good friend's ranch so it's, it's very comforting knowing that there's people close by to help and that I know the terrain very well. Um, mountain hunting, I don't know if I will tackle this year. Yep. And uh, 
get right into the habitat, but I I mean, I want to go sheep hunting here pretty soon, so I don't think that'll deter me for too long. Well, that, that's good to hear. I'm happy that you're still going to get after it. Do yeah. you um do you think you could tell the difference between a fresh and a non-fresh grizzly track? Oh yeah, for sure. So Can you share that? De- yeah. Um depending on what the substrate is, like if it's mud, um you'll find the edges if they're like 2 or 3 days old, you'll find the edges to be a little bit more round. It's almost like if you were to step and then like a big wind was going to come by you just expect you know it not quite to be as jagged as a brand new fresh track would be and then of course you can tell by moisture like if it's if it steps in mud and there's cracks in the mud then you'll know it's at least a day or older if there's no cracks then it's a very fresh track for other substrates like um, like dirt is pretty common or like gravel bars or sand. Um, those are a little bit tougher to tell. Um, but if you can really distinguish claw marks and like clearly see you still the point in the claw, then that's a really good indication that it's pretty fresh. What's the average area that a grizzly would cover? So, I mean, you come across um, say a day old tracks, what is generally their, their territory that they can cover in a day? I actually don't know the answer to that question. Okay. Grizzlies aren't, yeah, sorry. Grizzlies aren't my, my specialty. I I read it once upon a time, but I, I can't remember right now. Could you use those same tactics, um, to kind of gauge for black bears as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Black bears just have claws, which are, like, a lot closer to their pads, which I'm sure a lot of people know. Um, but it's still the same tactics of how fresh the tracks are. That's awesome. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little in disbelief. I just, I, I can't believe that that totally went down. I'm, I'm glad you're here to tell the story for sure. Um, what would be your ultimate takeaway from this? I think my ultimate takeaway, oh gosh. Yeah, it's the big one. The big question. Yeah, it's a big question. I think just to try and be as prepared as possible and to try and put yourself like in the shoes of what would you do if you were to find yourself in, you know, unimaginable circumstances. You know, we what would you do if a crazy storm blew in and you got soaked and it was minus twenty? Like I like to think of the same things because the wild is incredibly unpredictable and I think not everyone thinks about those or goes out in situations prepared for the worst possible outcome. And it's, you know, it's hard to think that, you know, that could happen to you, but it definitely could. And it would suck to not be prepared for any situation. Well, I'll certainly agree with you on that being prepared as possible. Uh, footwear is my biggest takeaway from hunting in the West. You never know when you're getting mm-hmm. snow or rain. So make sure you got the right set of boots. Yeah. I definitely like to always have like emergency survival stuff. Like, do you have stuff to start a fire? Do you have stuff to keep warm? Do you have a means of getting food? Do you know local edible plants in the area? Like what was to happen if you were to get stuck somewhere out there for a week? Do you have ways to find fresh water? Just stuff like that where it could really go south really quickly and I might have not been able to walk out, you know, the satellite radios might have not been able to work. Someone would have had to come find me and who knows how long that would have taken. So yeah, it's really, 
what would you do if it really hit the fan? And uh, when you're out there doing your surveys, how long are you usually out there for? Like, is this something you're out for the day and you come back or are you out there for, you know, a long period of time? Um, it depends on the project. Um, the goats, we have pretty much down to a science where three biologists go out. Um, one covers the lower and then the mid and the north end of the canyon. So if we split it up in three, we can get it done in a day's worth. Um, but bigger projects, of course, you just have to be out there longer. And sometimes we uh, do DNA testing for these goats. So that's a much more extensive survey. And that requires several days of staying out there and camping on the cliffs and stuff like that. And how long have you been doing this for? Three years now. And you love every bit of it. I love every bit of it. I mean, reporting sucks. I was made to be outside in the wilderness (laughs) 24-7. But all the good parts of my job I eventually have to write down and tell somebody so it's not that bad yeah well I'm I really appreciate you jumping on here with me and um where could people go to you know check out the post that you had made regarding the uh the bear attack um so you can find the post I made um on Instagram our handle is at our tree twins. It's uh, just me and my best friend chronicling how we started hunting a year ago. And yeah, just we try and keep it fun and light and learn as we go. Well, JC and Randy have got some awesome posts on there. You can check out JC's um, surveying and her wildlife post. It's pretty cool. And of course, you know, follow along for hopefully no more encounters like that. But uh check it out and you know educate yourselves so thank you so much for joining me and uh best of luck in the woods surveying and hopefully if you uh get out for some hunting that you have a great hunting season thanks you too much respect to jc talking about that story i think that's uh great that she is here to tell that story because um you know from some of the statistics it's it doesn't go that way for everybody and there have been a number of attacks this year in 2021 so far with regards to grizzly bears uh grizzly population is thriving out west and i mean this is just totally something to you know be aware of you you are out in the woods you're chasing game uh you could be surveying working and you know we're in their territory so that was uh, a great takeaway thank you to jc again and would like to thank my friends over at crimson talon broadheads super excited to be using those in this 2021 hunting season sharp and deadly accurate as well as my friends at killing sticks arrows loving my arrow setup for this year running the ventilator series and super accurate again great groups past 60 yards and i'm loving the way that i'm entering the 2021 hunting season so thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week